Today is the 29th of March 2021. We've been chanting the praises of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, recollecting their good qualities. And in doing this, we make our hearts joyful. And so we hold the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha in highest respect, that we don't have any refuge that's higher than the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And uh, all of the Buddhas who have already passed away, our Buddha of this present age, they all respect the Dhamma. And uh, even when the disciples of the Buddha were teaching the Dhamma, if the Buddha heard them teaching this, if they heard the sound, then he would stop out of respect for these teachings, stop and listen to the Dhamma. And he said, whoever sees the Dhamma sees me. So really the Buddha and the Dhamma, they're one and the same thing. And uh, for us, those who practice these teachings of the Buddha and see clearly into that, what they see is the Dhamma, they awaken to the Dhamma. And this is what the Savakas, these awakened disciples of the Buddha, have done. They practiced following these teachings that the Buddha gave. So the Buddha taught us to not uh, recollect the past with grief and not speculate over the future but rather to have our awareness firmly based here in this present moment, seeing arising and ceasing here, now. Because all things are of this nature to arise, persist for a short time, and then cease. And if we see this here in the present moment, then we'll understand clearly into the Dhamma. But what normally happens is when we experience anything, in the present moment, then the mind will respond by feeling either attracted or averse towards that. And then all this proliferation will start happening. There's me, there's a mind that comes up. And when there's a me, then there's also an other as well. There's this being that arises, there's self and there's other. So what we need is to have mindfulness here, knowing in the present moment. And if the mind starts to go and think and proliferate, then we should teach it and tell it that these things, they're not sure, they're inconstant. We don't believe what our minds tell us. And we shouldn't believe it because what's happening is that delusion is producing all of this thinking, this proliferation. It's this ignorance, avijja, darkness, which uh, causes this proliferation. And it's always giving rise to a sense of self always inserting the self there in our thinking and overlaying our thoughts, making it very um, caught up in self. And so if there's an experience that we get, uh, one that we like, then the mind will proliferate um, based on that. If it's something that we don't like, then it'll proliferate based on that aversion. And uh, it will just carry on doing this over and over again, thinking over again, giving rise to a being, a self, or other, all over again. 
So the Buddha taught that we should have our mindfulness here in the present moment, put down the past, put down the future, and see arising and ceasing happening here in the present moment. And uh, when we do that, um, we'll see that really the the past and the future is not actually here in the present moment. There isn't a being or a me here in the present moment. And the past, it doesn't have a me in it. The future doesn't have a me in it. It is just what it is. This body is just a body. And we can see the body as being something empty, seeing something that arises and ceases. And when we do this, then we experience Nibbāna. Initially, it's just temporarily. We experience this coolness, this peace, temporarily. And that's because we see that all things are empty. And the Buddha, this nature of awakening, is there within everything. And this really is the heart of the teachings of the Buddha. So all of the barami that we develop, all of our generosity, all the keeping of virtue that we do, this is all for the sake of seeing clearly with wisdom in this way. So for all of us who have faith, we should put our efforts into training our mind. And uh, when we have a mind that's peaceful, also we, we use these meditation objects to bring our mind to peace. And for those who have very great faith in the Buddha, then an appropriate object is this chant of Itipiso. And so we can go through this in full, and chant and chant, and then as the mind gets more peaceful, we can reduce that, uh, reduce it to Arahang, Samma, Sambuddha. And then the mind becomes even more peaceful than just Arahang. And then as it becomes more peaceful than just this one word of Buddha. And when the mind is calm in this way, then we'll be able to see that, or into the nature of all the things that we attach to, all the things that we take as being a me or an other. And we can ask ourselves, what are these things? Something that's quite easy to look into is this body. Our bodies, the bodies of other people, the bodies of animals. And, uh, we can contemplate um, into this. These things that we take as belonging to me or belonging to others. We need to look into them so we can see them as being empty. These things are just a collection of other things. Just a collection of 32 parts. All these different organs, these different bits that come together. These elements of earth, water, fire and air that come together in this way. But if we don't practice, then we won't see this because delusion is always covering over our hearts, always making us take these things as being me and being them. And we're not able to pull this delusion out. It's always forcing us to proliferate, always forcing us uh, to get involved in liking and disliking. And this involvement in liking and disliking is essentially the cycle of samsara. So we should practice to see things um, clearly in this way, to be able to put things down first. If the mind starts to proliferate, then we should teach it, tell it these things are not sure, these things are uncertain, they're unstable. We make our minds peaceful first. We try and go against this proliferation. 
We can bring up the chanting or meditation words that we use and have our mindfulness there in these mantras so that uh, peace can arise. So there are 40 meditation objects that the Buddha taught. And for Asians who have been born Buddhists and who live in a Buddhist culture, then uh, the recollection of the Buddha is very suitable because of this faith they have in the Buddha. So you can recite uh, Arahang, for example, or this word Buddha, and using this as the object of the mind so it can reach peace. If the mind isn't calm at all, then we chant the whole a recollection of the Buddha, Itipiso Bhagavā Arahang, right until the end. And through one day we can do this many, many times, many rounds. Bringing our mindfulness here with this recollection to bring about peace. And then as we do this, then we'll gain a deeper understanding of this practice. So I wish for all of you to really be firm, to train your minds in this way. For those who are more inclined towards wisdom, then an appropriate meditation object is the recollection of Nibbāna, or the recollection of emptiness. And this is a state where the mind isn't involved with anything, it's not attached to anything, it lets go. We contemplate arising and ceasing, or we contemplate into the elements of earth, water, fire and air, seeing them all as being empty and thus letting go of them, letting go of our attachments, and seeing the Dhamma clearly, in the way that we're not shaken, that we see this arising and ceasing, everything comes and goes, see all things as being unstable, as being stressful, as being not-self. See the body as just being a heap of pain, for example. See the body as being empty, So these are appropriate things to do, appropriate recollections, meditation objects for those inclined towards wisdom. So you should contemplate a lot, do this a lot, and see all material things uh, in this way, that they are empty. We can ask ourselves, do they actually have names? All the material things around us, the television, uh, all the things in our houses, our houses themselves, all the buildings, things in the monastery, All of these, we give them names. And the people around us as well. But sometimes we can't remember what they're called. And what that shows us is that there isn't actually a name inherent in that person. We have to um, give give people names when they're born. They're not born with a name. And so all children, we give them names. And so we know how to call them. If we call their name, then they know which person knows uh, to respond to that. Uh, But really, there isn't actually a name there. It's just we go and attach to these things that I am called this name, and we take it to be a reality, but actually it's just a convention. We go and cling on to that, and then someone comes and they praise praise us or um, praise our name, then we feel happy. If they insult our name, then we get annoyed or sad. And that's because we believe in the reality of this name. Uh, But really, it's not actually there. And if we can see that, if our minds can understand that, if they can see that the person who's saying these things isn't actually there, 
The one who's listening isn't actually there. The one who knows these things isn't actually there. That all of this is just emptiness. And then the mind will be more at ease if we can contemplate in this way. And uh, so we can see that all material things, those that, uh, that don't have a mind within them, and then the material things that do have minds, uh, bodies of people and animals, see all of this as just being empty and try to do this consistently. Separate all these things out. Separate out the hair of the head, the hair of the body, the nails, the teeth, the skin. See that these are just conventions. It's just a convention to give names to any of these things. It's not actually real. And this knowing element, the mind, comes and takes residence here. It borrows these things of the world. And all uh, the bodies of beings are like this, whether it's humans or animals. And the mind comes in and attaches to it as being me, as being mine. So we should study this, get to know it, get to understand it. And in doing that, what we're doing is we're reaching the very heart of the teachings of the Buddha. So an easy way of looking at this is to look into conventions. And by doing that, then the heart becomes liberated, it becomes freed from this world. So this path of virtue, of collectedness of mind and of wisdom, is that which takes us to freedom. So if we have the energy to do this and we can raise up our energy, then we'll be able to see this body as being empty. And this clear insight happens in stages. At the beginning it's quite difficult, however, and that's because of the intensity and the thickness of our attachments and just how strongly uh, this personality view binds over our hearts. And then when it's there, there's, we always take things in terms of self, in terms of me and of others. But we, could, we should look into this well, look into the nature of conventions, and see that these elements of earth, water, fire and air, these are all just conventions. And in doing so, then the mind can release its attachment to these things. So we contemplate into this body, and uh, we, when we contemplate the body breaking apart, decaying, then it can be quite easy to see into its empty nature. And, but the thing is, is that when the body is still strong, when it's healthy, um, then the mind comes and attaches to it as being me. And so we should be breaking it apart, breaking it down, and then it comes together again, then we break it down, and we do this back and forth, back and forth, until we become proficient at it see the arising and ceasing of this body. In doing so, then the mind becomes empty. And this is the practice of wisdom that cultivates samadhi. So whatever it is that we feel um, an affinity towards or that comes easy to us, then we should do that. We should use that method. We cultivate that a lot. We practice it a lot. And do this so that we can gain clear insight, clear knowing. So we have these conventions of monks, of novices, of lay people, and we take these to be real, but actually they're not there. There isn't a monk, there isn't a lay person, there isn't a male, there isn't a female. All of these things are empty, there's not actually anything there. But what happens when we see this is that the mind becomes purer and purer. 
So we should develop our minds in this way. And in doing so, it's what we're doing is cultivating a profound degree of merit, of goodness. So the Buddha taught that one person who can practice like this for just one day and one night, who isn't heedless, um, that is someone who is truly worthy of praise. So we put our efforts into this, um, sincerely practicing in this way. And those who do so are not dead. They are alive through their goodness. But the people who are heedless, even though they're still breathing, they're actually dead. They are the breathing dead. So we should um, develop this a lot. And even though we... Sorry, this is one of the things that we really should do. It's one of our duties uh, to do it. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if death is going to catch us tomorrow. So we should practice and cultivate our minds to the best of our energy to shorten the, the length of time that we have left in the cycle of samsara, um, to steadily destroy the things that bind us to samsara, to see emptiness, to meet with the Dhamma, to see the Buddha clearly. Because it's possible to see the Buddha here in this day and age, it's, a possible, to, it's possible to awaken to the Dhamma in this day and age, if we really practice this path of virtue, of collectedness of mind and of wisdom. And this is the path that will take us uh, to seeing Nibbāna. So may all of you set your hearts on practicing and cultivating your minds in this way.